Well, hey everyone, welcome to episode 357 of F Stop Collaborate and Listen with your host, Matt Payne. This week on the podcast, I'm excited to bring you a fun recording that I had with an American photographer living in Japan, Mark Davis. Mark is a 24 year veteran of the US Armed Forces, which is what brought him to Japan originally but he has quickly found the forests of Japan to be a healing force in his struggle against PTSD and the rigors of military service. He has also come to greatly appreciate the nuanced differences of Japanese culture, which have rubbed off on him and his approaches to making images. Before we dive in, I wanted to thank our latest supporters on Patreon, including Larry Mawson, Alan, no last name given, Chris Murray, and Darlene Louise. You are all awesome. I try to keep this podcast ad-free, so your listener support is greatly appreciated. If you too would like to support the show, just head over to patreon.com forward slash f-stop and listen. You can join for free and engage in weekly discussions about each episode over on Patreon. Okay, let's get to this week's episode with Mark Davis. All right, Mark Davis, it's great to have you on the podcast. Hey, Matt, it's uh, great to be here. Uh, really honored to get the opportunity to come on here and, and talk a little bit about me in Japan. Yeah, I'm excited because I don't think we've had anyone on the show yet that uh, is from Japan. I think I've had maybe one person who lives in Japan, but it's cool to have you here. Yeah, yeah, it's great to be here. So, Mark, for people who aren't familiar with you and your photography, go ahead and tell us a little bit about who Mark Davis is. Uh, yeah, my name's uh, Mark Davis. I'm from a small town in northeast Arkansas, pr- pretty much surrounded with nature there. There's not a lot going on, and, uh, you know, I had to get out of there. Uh, and one way to do that was join the military. That was a pretty easy way. And uh, I've done that for about 20, almost 24 years, and finally hung it up this year in May. Uh, I'm married. Uh, my wife is Japanese, and I have a seven-year-old daughter It keeps me pretty busy. And it takes up a lot of time, but I'm uh, currently living in Japan. We retired here. Uh, that was the plan. She followed me all over the world. So when it was time to hang the uniform up, we decided to uh, remain in Japan. And I live in a town right outside of Tokyo. I'm an amateur photographer. There's opportunities that kind of have started to arise. So I, I don't know where that's going to take me, but we'll see. That's I've been kind of going with uh, the flow, nice. so to speak. Nice, nice. And how long have you been making photographs? Uh, so I started back in 2012, but I didn't really get serious till about six years ago. I started really kind of buckling down and uh, taking it a lot more serious. Gotcha. And what branch of the Armed Forces are you in? Or were you in? I, I was in the Army. I spent my first four years in the Marine Corps, and then I switched over to the Army. Okay. I uh, finished off the career. Never heard of anyone doing that before. <laughs> now it's doesn't happen a lot, but it does. Okay. Well, nice, nice. Well, Mark, I would just I just want to dive right in and talk about, you know, how you got into photography. And, you know, most specifically, I'd love to hear you talk about how your military service and your experience with PTSD influenced your journey. Yeah, so it's a great question. I, uh, you know, I was stationed in Okinawa uh, back around 2018, and... Um, uh, this is when I started to take it a little bit more serious, and I was looking for things to kind of fill a, a gap 
uh, in time. So anybody that's been in the military has dealt with uh, deployments, combat stress, all these you know these pressures that you deal with in day to day military life, and and looking for something, I kind of got into diving. The people, the group I was diving with, these guys were taking down camera rigs that were thousands of dollars of housings and strobes and all that, and uh, for for good reason because when you look out and you just see an ocean, a body of water, then you don't really think much about it. But once you go under, there's this whole vast ecosystem down there of life and that you want to tell people about and uh, I kind of got into photography that way which is probably the hardest way to get into it I mean <laughs> learn, <laughs> learning you got to learn your camera pretty quick and how to light things and all that so it was it was really a great experience and then you know fast forward it was time to leave Okinawa and I wasn't around an ocean and it kind of progressed um, on the land and that's kind of where we're at today is it's continually narrowed in my genre what i like to photograph and yeah that's where i'm at today yeah and you're primarily photographing forest scenes or forest yeah forest scenes um you know it's like everybody else it's kind of evolved from you know the the grand landscape to really starting to narrow down to the smaller things where you kind of put your own signature on on something yeah, yeah that's no that's exciting yeah. so would love to press you a little bit more for some background on kind of your military service yep. and kind of some of the things that you went through that then drove you to seek refuge through photography. Yeah. So like I said, I've, I've done multiple deployments uh, downrange and, you know, unfortunately, you know, I've, I've seen some bad things and been involved in things that are not, you know, you wouldn't ask very many people to be in in situations and uh you know and as the you know i was able to deal with those things pretty easily in, in my youth when i was younger and as you get older and you know i became a senior leader you start to see a lot of these uh trends we love statistics in the military we we keep track of everything and you you look out across your formations and you see uh, all the behavioral health or mental health issues that are going on in your formations. And just because you're a senior leader doesn't mean you don't have those same issues. And as the writing became, was getting on the wall that, hey, I'm getting ready to hang this up. Am I going to be able to deal with these things the way I could when I was younger? And the answer is no. I needed to fill those gaps, like I mentioned with the diving and, and, and the photography slowly replaced the diving. Uh, was something to do and nature was kind of you know I kind of went back to something that I already knew because growing up where I did I was surrounded with nature and I think uh, it was easy for me to kind of seek refuge as you said back into something I was comfortable with and, and bringing a camera along was was part of it and you know I do it to be out in nature first first of all and if I if I happen to get a good image out of that while I'm there, then then so be it. I mean, but primary reason is for my own own sanity, so to speak. Yeah, and I'm I'm curious how significant has the impact been in terms of reducing some of the symptoms you were experiencing from PTSD and whatnot. It's been instrumental. I mean, I don't know what I would do without it. It's hard to speak because I don't. I'm not. I don't. I'm I'm always out in nature. First of all, so I think that it's 
night and day. Just talking with my wife, she knows that it's something that I need, which has been great because she's she's understood that you know things that I've been through and then what nature does for me. Uh, she doesn't necessarily like the price tag that comes <laughs> along with that, <laughs> but but she she understands that I need that and it's good for me. So it's been. Um, it's been great. I mean, it's definitely something that, uh, you know, I, I talked to a lot of other soldiers because I'm still in the community here. There's a big community of military here in Japan, and I'm, I'm still quite close with it. And, you know, that's that's an avenue, too, that I'd like to hopefully one day bring to the soldiers there is is, is talk with our morale, welfare, and recreation department. We, we say MWR. And, and hopefully get a program started over there to to take people out i mean not necessarily for photography but get them out in the nature here because japan has an abundance of places to go uh to kind of explore and to help soldiers deal with that and i think i, I think nature is always good for anybody that's dealing with any kind of mental stress to get away from the hustle and bustle well it's funny because i feel like the japanese have been one of the first cultures that actually scientifically investigated the impacts of spending time in nature and the impacts that they can have on your not only your mental health but you know your physical health your blood pressure pretty much everything so and your immune system gets increased by swimming you know forest bathing is the kind of the term that they use but yeah yeah it's it's evident you know they they you, you can't when you go out on the weekends which i try to avoid because it is quite busy people flooding out of tokyo getting out into the nature i mean that's just what they do you know they're getting out of the big city and they're going out into nature to help with that. And I think I, you're 100% right. Forest bathing um, is a huge part of their culture here. I mean, it's 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 fascinating to watch. Watch them out in nature. They really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. What does that look like? Because you know, I think about here in the United States, um, especially since COVID. What I've seen is that it's like it's more driven by like selfies and. Oh, you know, like the like a lot of FOMO and like, oh, look where I've been type of stuff. <clears throat> Whereas in Japan, it sounds like the intent and the purpose of getting out to nature is much different. Yeah, you're 100% right. That, that's the difference that I see is, you know, in the they don't really know how to take care of the nature, right? So they're going to go out and they're going to respect it. They're not going to trash it up. They're, if anything, they do leave. I don't know if you remember in the Olympics, it's, bear with me here but in the olympics they uh they would go to one of the events and their area would be the clean cleanest area once they left the stadium i think it was the world cup they they cleaned everything out of there and i think it became national news of watched the japanese clean up after they leave the the tournament no different in nature i mean they're going to pick stuff up you don't see a lot of selfies going on out there and if you do they're probably not japanese interesting yeah yeah so man I feel like we are going to spend a lot of time talking about Japan and Japanese culture. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to ask you one more question relating to your military service. Okay. And um, I was curious, because I don't think I've had anyone else on the podcast that has spent that much time in the military. Have you thought about what other ways um, your 24-year career in the military has influenced your approach to making photographs? You know, like, are you, like, making checklists and... You know, it's very regimented, or you know, what what influence has it had on you? It's it's just the op opposite. Um, okay, <laughs> it's it's a it's a great question. So, for me, like we talked about, it it, it was it was an opportunity f to get away from that lifestyle. I mean, you, you live it day in and day out, where to be, when to be. We're going to plan it 
we're going to plan it down to the you know dot over and cross our t's and uh, I wanted to get far away from that. So when I go, I do I plan? I, initially, I used to plan a lot, and when you do it the way I do it, and it's a weekend warrior, so to speak, you're not going to get the conditions that you want, and you just kind of have to adapt with that. So you kind of throw all that out the window, and it really that's when I became I started to get better, was just once I threw all that away. And listen, you do this every day. You got to be where you're supposed to be when you're told to be there. So let's just go and get away from all that and just go with the flow. I'll pick an area on a map and I'll just I'll go to that area and just explore. And that's usually when I come away with my best stuff. Yeah. No, me too. <laughs> but like you, it, it did it didn't start that way. I mean, I used to be like, okay, I'm gonna go to this spot and I'm gonna go to that spot, and you know, like 90% of the time it doesn't yield any good results. Yeah. I mean, not being from Japan, you don't know where to go. I mean, so once you start getting into this and start traveling and venturing further and further out and you realize it's not as hard as it, it seems or appears to be because you're in a foreign country, um, it's, once I realized it wasn't that difficult, I started to kind of put away the Google Maps and the, and the you know, all the other stuff. Now, every once in a while, I'll look at some of the hiking maps to kind of look at people's snapshots to give me an idea what the area looks like, but that's about it. Right, right. No, that's, I think that's a good approach anywhere you go. <laughs> yeah yeah all right well let's talk more about japan specifically um why have you focused so much of your photography there and what is it about japan that you love all right. covid really kind of locked me down here so i i haven't been back to the u.s and since 2019 okay so uh it's kind of that's kind of the reason why japan's been the focus not that i wouldn't want to go anywhere else but there's just so much here i think that japan it's i mean it's just really a special place i mean c culturally the ease of access to a lot of the areas to go and and venture out into is again not as hard as it probably appears to somebody that doesn't live here but technology is so amazing google maps or whatever's going to take you where you need to be as long as you make sure you don't go down like because some of the roads here get pretty tight and then you, you you're going to be you're going to be sol you know? <laughs> so, yeah I had that happen to me when I went to Spain, you know, the map thing was like, yeah, turn here and the road gets narrower and narrower and narrower and pretty soon like like we got to pull the wind the mirrors in and then it's like I think we're going to get stuck. So we yeah. Have to, yeah. You know, I, get... I, that, that happens to me all the time. <laughs> all the time. Yeah, I was like this is not a road for cars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but right. J Japan, again, Japan's just, I mean, there's just so much here. And I, I think once you get past the epic or I iconic shots of Mount Fuji and the, the shrines and all that, there's a lot of stuff. And I think Mark Adamus on your podcast said, it, you know, there's more of the world. There's there's less of the world seen today because of social media. I think, he, I think he hit the nail on the head with that, especially when it comes to Japan, because people are just going to go to those. They're going to go to Tokyo. They're going to go look at the temples and shrines. And they're going to go to uh, Mount Fuji and take a picture. I mean, I can't shoot Mount Fuji any better than anybody else has already done it. So <laughs> there's other stuff out there. Right, right. Well, and, you know, I feel like Japan has got some really interesting and unique forests that are starting to get a little bit of notoriety. And uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about um, how Japan is starting to kind of emerge on the map a little bit. 
Yeah, so, you know, it, the forest, again, I think the terrain here is, um, it's pretty unforgiving. It's very steep. There's nothing, I think, I always tell everybody, you're always walking uphill. So uh, <laughs> getting getting to some of these locations is uh, pretty difficult. But once you get into them, I mean, there's just the the forest here, the, the Japanese beech trees are are unique. I, I, I'm not sure it's because of the the way the um, just the way the wind has gnarled them up, or or the uh, whatever's causing it. But yeah, there's the forests are unbelievable, and I think the reason why you're starting to get notoriety of it of Japan is, you know, some of the photographers here have really kind of stepped out of their comfort zone to uh, kind of go against the norm here culturally, and that's why you're starting to see more of it. And uh, there's a, definitely a lot more interest. I've had a ton of people reach out to me. I mean, that, that, that's the one thing that's good about social media is it's kind of opened some doors for me um, that I didn't necessarily, you know, maybe some potential career paths that I never even thought about until here here of late. So it, it's definitely changing over here, and um, I think it's all owed to some of these photographers here in Japan willing to step out of their comfort zone. Yeah, maybe let's dive a little bit deeper into that cultural difference because it sounds to me like what you're saying is that the norm in Japan in Japan is to kind of keep everything quiet, keep everything on the down low, not really be loud and shouty about our photography or about who we are as photographers. And obviously, if there's not a bunch of photographers running around, you know, saying, look how awesome my photography is, then Japan's not going to really be on the radar for a ton of people. Yeah, that, that's right. Um, I, I think it. I think it has a lot to do too, as well as um, a lot of these photographers were kind of, you know, this is my own perception, just being surrounded by them and talking to them a lot. A lot of the younger ones, um, there. Japan's a culture of, you know, experience matters, age matters. Mm. So the older you are, uh, people are going to listen to you a lot more. And then when you're younger, hey, you just sit over here and just wait wait your turn <laughs> right and uh so you may be an amazing photographer and younger uh but you haven't paid your dues and i think that's what's changing is uh some of the younger ones are not willing to wait mm. because uh maybe they don't agree with that and that's that's what's changing culturally and to get recognition within the community uh they have kind of forced the hand to uh to kind of be recognized, and they've done that by going out abroad, entering contests like your, you know, the NLPA or International Landscape Photographer of the Year, and getting recognized. And this kind of forced the hand over here for some people in the industry, like major manufacturers are over here in Japan, like Nikon, Fuji, to start taking note of them and and including them in things. So that's 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 one big thing. I was gonna say, I feel like we could use a little bit of that culture here. <laughs> Even though yeah. it's had a positive benefit of them kind of shifting away from it a little bit, um, I feel like there's some major benefits to that culture that I wish we could leverage in the United States. <laughs> you, you're talking about the older generation and the yeah. experience and all you know, that? Yeah, like, yeah. You know, paying respect to people who came before us, that kind of thing. I won't say that's a di driving main factor for getting out of the military, but, you know, things it, it, it that stuff kind of leaks its way into military service as well. So it mm. was, yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, there's pros, pros and cons to both, I'm sure. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> we've talked a little bit about the cultural significance of the recent, recent surge um, of the interest that's in Japanese landscape destination as a destination. Um, but I'm curious how that's kind of played into your approach as someone who's not from Japan, who's starting to like integrate yourself into that culture as a non native person i'm curious what that experience has been like for you you know i wasn't seeking out any anyone to really kind of help me i was just going out again on my own some of that solitude you know is what what i i still enjoy the solitude i prefer i think i do better when i'm out taking pictures by myself when it comes to social media you start to kind of somebody will recognize you, your stuff and maybe they appreciate it and that's what kind of happened here for me and it opened some doors where I used to just have to search and find all these locations by myself or, or you know, I was kind of limited to what I knew from, from that research. So once uh, some photographers here uh, reached out to me and said, hey, you know, are you interested in going to check out this place? And it, those doors kind of opened up. And I think without them, I think I wouldn't have progressed as much as I have. Not that I'm great, but um, I've definitely come a long way. And it's given me an opportunity to kind of watch their work, uh, the way they see the landscape, um, and, and it's vice versa. I mean, a couple of my friends have always been curious how how's a Westerner see our landscape, you know, versus how they see it. And, and there is a difference, you know, um, how they approach it. Like you talk about Japan's respect for nature uh, versus, you know, how, how in the U.S. It, it seems to be kind of playing out there. But... Um, that's what I think is uh, probably helped me the most is getting tied into some of those uh, people that are here and ex accepting me because they see that I do respect, you know, Japan. I, I do respect their culture and I do respect nature. Uh, and they've been willing to take me out. And I think that's the key is understanding, trying to take an effort to understand the culture means a lot to the Japanese. So being willing to be open-minded and understand and not do things that are going to embarrass me or them mm. uh, that that plays a big part in it so now i'm really curious from your perspective what are some of the cultural differences or influences because of culture on the approach to photographing like how do they see the landscape differently than perhaps someone from the united states i don't know that it's it's just how they work uh, uh, a scene. Uh, for me, I, this is my, my way I see it is uh, there's not a lot of talk. So it's funny. There's not a lot of talking going on when we get there. Um, we, we, you'll meet at a location and and then they're, they'll just go off on their own. There's no really talking until you get back to the car. Uh, they're very quiet just set they'll go out and they'll just sit there for a while which you know this is probably no different than a lot of great photographers in the u.s and this is why some of them are so good and getting recognized is though they're willing to just sit there and observe nature a lot more and they may take five photographs you know in the beginning i'd be out there shooting you know a hundred things and they would they'll come back and my friend will probably have like five photographs he's taken <laughs> maybe two right and uh it's just, I think the observation piece is more key for them. Interesting. That makes a lot of yeah. sense. And yeah. you think that's driven by culture? I, I, I think so. I think it's not, because it's not about, 
it's not about the photographer for them as well. I mean, I think it's just about being in nature and enjoying nature. I mean, because, I mean, and and they're always picking out things. They'll see things and they'll look and they're going to investigate it. And they, they may not take a picture of it, but it'll be something that is unique with it. They'll touch a tree. They'll talk to a tree. I mean, it's 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 pretty intimate for them you know it's there's everything has some life to it and they're, they're going to show some gratitude towards it mm. yeah and i'm guessing just based on the way that you positively talk about this that that approach has started to rip off on your approach to photography as well yes 100 percent. i think it's uh it's definitely been a positive impact i think that uh I mean, you'll catch me talking to a tree now. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know just, just the utmost respect for nature, I think, is the, the one thing that's, you know, I don't know. Obviously, it's impacted my photography, but it's also how I look at nature and see the landscape is, uh, is probably one of the added bonuses from, from being involved in, in the community and the culture here. Um, it's given me that gift to really appreciate it and start to understand, you know, how... This is why this is growing here. This is what this is. This is how long it's been here. You know, all those things that I used to just never care about. You know, I didn't, I didn't care. I just didn't didn't know to care, right? Mm-hmm. And how important it is to us um, for all, all types of reasons. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely found, at least from my own photography and studying a lot of other photographers, that the more curious we are about the subjects that we photograph, and the more of a connection we can make with that subject through having a more intimate knowledge about how it how it's created or you know what are the life cycles of whatever that subject is well, you know whatever it is your photographs of those subjects are just going to be better 100% yeah and then you know to return back to those locations through the various times of year to mm-hmm. to see how they change and get to know it more intimately and uh it's really you know I like I said, I've got, I probably got six years of just revisiting some of these locations, and I feel like I'm just now starting to kind of understand them. And I think that that has also been a, a, a key for you know improving in, in my own photography is being able to return to those places and and getting to know those areas more intimately, um, just by revisiting them and getting to understand the landscape. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Well, when we were exchanging emails, uh, you had mentioned to me that you're friends with uh, Sho Hoshino, um, yep. and I, I, I recently discovered them through uh, my my competition, Natural Landscape Photography Awards, and you know I love their forest photography and like I don't know their quality of their light in their photos is just really special and magical. Uh, what's it been like doing trips with Sho, given the significant language barrier that exists between the two of you? It's uh, we, you could probably do a uh, you could probably do a, a TV series on it. It's probably probably quite <laughs> funny. Uh, you know what's it's really fascinating because uh, you know he's he's pretty much who I've been talking about. Um, you know, reaching out on social media and I've kind of had a backseat uh, view of uh, his progression and his re- getting recognized. And um, my Japanese is pretty good. It's not that great. I definitely know when I'm in trouble. Uh, <laughs> You learn that first if you're married to a Japanese uh, spouse. So, <laughs> so you know, I'm I'm pretty pretty good, uh, not great. And his English is, it's gotten a lot better over the last several years hanging out with me. 
Uh, he doesn't have a uh, southern accent, so <laughs> we'll work on that. Uh, but yeah, it's been been fun. It's been a fun experience hanging out with him and, and watching him work and, and get the recognition that he deserves. And he, like I said, his use of light and uh, the way he goes about his process of you know, you know, seeking out a subject, especially with Forrest. We both love Forrest scenes, and I think it's kind of what attracted us to each other is that we both love being in the uh, in the woods in the forest looking for these unique trees. And uh, there's not a lot of communicating when we're out there, but when we do, we we both understand that we have the same thing in common. Of hey, we like this subject matter. We understand camera cameras. We understand uh, what we're wanting to look at. We don't want any man-made objects in it. We, we just have the same kind of. We speak that lingo, and that's been really awesome to kind of foster that relationship and uh, again have a backseat to uh, to his progress. I get yeah. to tag along. Yeah, no, that's exciting. And I feel like, you know, the more you can spend time with someone who you highly respect in terms of their, their photography, that's bound to rub off on you at some point, right? 100%, yeah. Um, he, he's he taught me a lot, and I don't, I don't know that he knows that. Uh, I mean, I've told him before, but I don't think he understands that he's taught me a lot just by watching him work. Um you know, we're never sitting there, like, I, I'll never go up to him and be like, hey, how did you do that, or what are you doing? We don't talk like that, you know. Um, I just watch him, because I'm going to, I don't want to be like Shohoshino. I want to get my own voice, uh, you know, so I'll just watch him kind of go about it. And that, that'll, those are the little tidbits that I'll pick up from him. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, I've, mm-hmm. I um, I credit my own photography growth to hanging out with a, a few photographers that I highly admire over the last probably six or seven years, you know, just spending time with them, watching them work, asking them questions, looking at their work, spending time with them in the field, you know, the, the, you know, paying attention and, That's you it. know, and not being shy about asking questions about, you know, what were you thinking? How did you come up, figure that one out or man, that's an amazing photograph. Like, how did you find that? You know, those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, I'll walk up and he'll be looking at something and I'll be like, I would never have seen that. Right. Uh, But, you know, the same thing. I mean, he likes, there's things that I'll see that he doesn't see. And that's where we talk about earlier, you know, we'll talk about, we were talking about um, how they see things and how, you know, maybe a Westerner, if he kind of views it, I'm looking at something totally different than him. And he's intrigued by that. And he wants to, he wants to see that for his own progression. And I think we've, I think we've fed off each other. I mean, clearly he's, he's, uh, I think he's a lot better than I am, but uh, he's, (laughs) he's, uh, he's definitely taken some things from me and I've taken some things from him and we've put those in our toolkit and it's been a, a fun experience. That's awesome. Yeah. He, right. He's not the only. He's not the only one out there, though. There's there's a few of them. Yeah. We, do you have we, other other ones that have inspired you? Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's uh, Masaki Nagoshi. Mm, um, mm-hmm. You see, I think he's been. In, he's. I think he's uh, won something in the NLPA before or, yeah, yeah. or placed. Um, he's another one. He's friends with Shohoshino, and we we all go together sometimes. Uh, but most of the time, I'm with uh, Show. But uh, yeah, there's 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 quite a few over here that are right. pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> right on. 
All right, well, let's uh, shift gears a little bit. I'd love to talk a little bit about kind of learning and education. Okay. And what I've found, especially in the last five or six years, is that a lot of photographers are trying to kind of, you know, self-teach themselves photography by watching YouTube videos. Um, and, you know, I feel like that can you can learn stuff by watching YouTube, but it also doesn't show you what you're maybe missing or what, you know, what you're maybe not doing correctly in your process or whatever. And it's all, sometimes it's hard to know if YouTube videos have any, you know, gravitas in terms of, you know, legitimacy. So what, what's been your experience been like in terms of learning photography and what have you turned to? So, so I'm, I'm probably like 90% of the people are going to listen to this. Uh, yeah, YouTube University was a, uh, an initial go-to and I think it really held me back. Uh, I think, I think I'm probably a good two years behind where I should be in my mind. Hmm. Uh, and I, that's because I, you, you're looking at videos and if you don't know how to, if they're doing an editing process for a specific scene, you know, you, you're not realizing that scene probably doesn't apply to maybe the type of photography you're doing. And then you're trying to apply that and overlay that on something that, Hey, this doesn't fit. Maybe this is a high key image and you're trying to process for something different. I think those are the things that you can't really, um, you don't know. Right, so you don't know that this is not for that because they're not going to tell you in that video nine times out of ten. And I think uh, for me, I got rid of. The, I appreciate. It. I, I like the failure part of it because I failed a lot <laughs> trying yeah. to apply some of those things. Uh, but like I said, I was probably two years behind because I finally reached out to a, a, a photographer and did a one-to-one and, and I did multiple one-to-ones and, you know, started buying some videos of people that kind of have the same, same look and feel of the type of photography that I'm interested in and started uh, buying some of those tutorials. Uh, I think I, I see I bought one from um, Eric Bennett and Alex Noriega. And then I finally reached out to David Thompson to uh, do one to one, and I mean that just that changed everything because then you know you could ask those questions like you talked about, you know, hey, how do you do this, or what is you know why are you not doing it for this type of image, you know what what is your process basically, and pick your brain, and then go back to them and have follow ups. Um, that that's been huge and instrumental, and I, I tell anybody that I talk to now is. You need to do that. You need to. You're just going to delay. You can go at your own, but you're just going to delay the process a lot longer. Yeah, I, I agree. It's really good to have. I mean, essentially, what we're talking about here is mentorship, right? I mean, you know, having yeah. someone that you can bounce questions off of. You can show them an image. You can say, "Hey, what do you think of this one?" They can be super honest with you because it's not like you have any skin in the game. Um, it's not like they're going <clears> to <throat> piss you off. I mean, I guess if you're asking someone like that for help and then you don't like what they have to say like <laughs> you know that's a yeah, whole other I mean, thing but um, that, that's what i told david i said hey man i was a drill sergeant in the army and uh you can just you can yell at me you know just <laughs> give it to me tell me tell me my stuff's heart gar hot garbage and uh i'll move on right <laughs> yeah i mean i mean that's how you get better right like someone looks at your stuff and it's like Oh man, I mean, I see what you're trying to do here, but like, uh, you need to do X, Y, and Z, and then it's like, okay, I didn't even that. Thank you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and for further record, David didn't like yell at me and tell me this is hot garbage. 
No, no, of course not. No, he, he wouldn't do that. No, no. Actually, I did a, I did a one-on-one with him a couple of years ago after I got back from a trip from the Redwoods, and it was really helpful. Yeah, so I, I credit your podcast for, you know, kind of introduced me to, to his work back in the day, and uh, I, I have the kind of mind of when I hear things. He was talking about mid-tone contrast and... Uh, uh, tweeners and things, and I was I was like the Winnebago man, you know, like what the hell is, what the hell is mid cone contrast? You know, I don't I don't know what that is. So I went down that rabbit hole, and then that's how it's this started all. You know, the process of reaching out to him and then uh, improving. Yeah, I always have to laugh because every time I have a photograph that has like any any type of color cast in it, I think of David Thompson because he just hates color cast. And I actually edited a photo today where I, I know he's going to yell at me when I post it because it was like the sun is screaming, the light from the sun is screaming across uh, this iceberg and the scene behind uh-huh. it is all baked in, in orange light. And there was a color cast, like the yeah. sun was casting a color and he's going to yeah. be like, man, there's a color cast. I'm like, yeah, but it was literally there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's fun. I asked him about that. He said, you know, sometimes, yeah, there's a color cast, but I think, yeah, he definitely doesn't like the color cast. And that was one of the first <laughs> things we talked about, was oh, color cast. It, it makes a huge difference. I mean, I had, I had another photo I was editing today that had tons of color casts, and I got rid of it, and it looked 100 times better, like, instantly. You know, it's like, oh. Because what it does is it, you, get, you create color separation. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So I... Once once you once once you figure out how to get rid of it, because it's not that hard no. once you figure it out, and uh, then you can really start to separate your colors and really start to uh, bring to life your image. I mean, once he once he helped me with that, and then, you know that was a game changer for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, I feel like we've kind of already talked about the importance of mentorship, but what was kind of your process for seeking out mentorship um sounds like you know you heard someone talking you liked what they had to say and then you just went with it or yeah i you know so in the military mentorship is really big i mean for your career progression and i should have known this you know as i got into uh this and was kind of going it at my own uh but i think there was some kind of fear uh how bad is my photography you know, and then reaching out and kind of getting over that, and then say, "Hey, if you're going to get, if you're going to improve, you're going to have to reach out to somebody." So, kind of shedding some of that fear to be able to reach out to, to someone like like a David Thompson, you know, and, and not know, you know, how they're going to, you know, what kind of, because you, I don't know David, like I didn't know him at the time, right? So, is he gonna, is he going to be a good fit, or or not to help? And I couldn't have been any luckier. I mean, he's just how he is on any of the podcasts or. Or, or videos you see of him, or or whatever. He's he's just a a great guy, and he's willing to help. And he, he was he's, he was instrumental in in helping me. And I think uh, once I got over that fear of hey rejection or whatever, I, I don't whatever was going on in my mind. Once I got over that and, and sought out to help, I mean, I think that was um, huge, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. It's like. I think for a lot of people, you know, there's that fear you're just talking about, like, oh, you know, what are they going to say about my photographs or, but also like sometimes we just got to let, you know, leave the ego at the door. You know, one of my biggest struggles as a photographer has been like way back when I first started, 
you know, I've I caught on to photography really fast in terms of the technical side. Like I understood it pretty quickly. So yeah. then after that happened, I was like, oh, I'm good. You know, I'm, I don't, I'm the best ever. But it's, you know, like, that's just like, that's the foundation. You know, like, you have so much more to learn. And it's, if you're, if you don't have that ego checked, you know, pretty regularly, you're, you're going to stagnate. Yeah. I, yeah. 100%. And I think that's been, I still reach back out to David and, and, and we talk a lot about, you know, some, I'll hit, hey, I'll bounce a photo. I, like I had a collection of autumn photos I, I sent him and, uh, you know, asked for his uh, opinion before I released them. It's the first time I ever did that. Usually I just drip a photo out and I was like, all right, I'm going to stick to my guns and <laughs> wait. And I'm going to edit these as a collection and then uh, get his eyes on them. And that was the first time I'd done that. And, uh, you know, he was pretty honest and it, it was a great experience. I, I don't know that holding photos like that is my style. Uh, it's kind of <laughs> it's hard. It's burning a hole in my pocket. Like I was like, come on, man, I need to get these out. Like I'm really, there was several of them in there that I was really proud of. And I was like, man, but I weathered through it and waited and released them all at once. Yeah. And then you have that guy who like, what was it? Maybe four or five months ago, he released a Death Valley gallery that had images <laughs> from like 2010 or something. I'm like, seriously? It's insane. You've been just holding on this for a decade? Insane. <laughs> Come on. I, 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 I don't know how they do it. I, like, it, it, God, man, I'm telling you. Like, and I only held them for two months. Right, and that probably was, like, crushing you, right? Brutal. <laughs> it's brutal. Yeah, so, it's hard. But it is kind of fun releasing a body of work in that way, I think. It, it is. And, and to be honest, it, it was the right – I see the benefit of it because I would go back and I would look at them and, and – once I really, I never really felt like this. Once I was done with that, I was done with them. Like I didn't, like I had made the corrections. I had gone back and tweaked them here and there. And then once I was done with one of those photos, I was just done. And I didn't want to see it again. Yeah. You know, it was like, all right, time to move on. Let's move on to, to winter. Right. Well, I feel like yeah. when you release photos in a collection like that, there's a little bit more skin in the game in terms of, like looking at the photos over and over again to make sure you didn't miss any issues because I did, I did the same thing with my fall color gallery this this year I I've been doing I've been releasing them as galleries too and I think I narrowed it down to about 60 and then I got Brent Clark to help me I'm like Brent what do you think of these and he's like let's get it down to like 30 I'm like oof really 30 ouch okay <laughs> you know but it helped me really curate down to like the ones that I thought were the best and um, I think it, I think it is a good process because it forces you to really, you know, even though you have photos in there that you still sort of like, it's not your best. No, that's right. You know? Yeah. So I I think that's probably the uh, you know the other thing is that I learned about it is like you know are these photographers that I really like are they as are, they're great, but I'm sure they take a lot of bad photos, but they're really great at curation. Absolutely. I, you know, I think that's really, you know, that that was one of those light bulb moments for me over this last uh, deal. It's like, I, you know, it's the curation piece that I'm, you know, maybe that's where I'm at now. Is say, hey, because I'll take some, I feel like I'll take something really good, and then I may release something the next week, and it's, mm, you know, so so. <laughs> right. Well, and it's an easy trap to fall into if you are the type of person that is wanting to play the social media game, right? Like you have to feel like you're dripping content constantly. Like 
I've been spending a lot of time this week on Threads, which is like that new yeah, like Instagram spinoff that's sort of like Twitter, which I actually really like. But uh, I, I see a lot of people on that platform just doing that process of like dripping out, like not the best photos, but they're just trying to stay relevant and they're uh-huh, yeah. trying to get eyeballs on their account. And it's like. Uh, so you're not gonna, you're you're probably not going to get remembered for having being a good photographer as, as, if that's your approach. Yeah, I, I just it, it, I can't do it. I I, I got a seven year old, so to keep <laughs> up with all these social media platforms. Yeah, I mean, I, I do I do barely. I I don't really care about social media. I just do it, you know, like to, <laughs> for Instagram. I, the Instagram's really it, and my website. So I've really started to pour more into my my website and kind of get it where I want it because it'll be a constant. You know, you don't ever know about social media platforms, and um, I, I don't I don't play the algorithm game, and that's probably why you know that's probably why I don't have very many followers. So yeah, but I mean, what I I didn't think we were going to talk about this, but what I find super interesting about the algorithm game that people are playing constantly is that unless you somehow hit the lottery, like you get, you somehow find the magic formula to, to get, you know, 200, 300, 400, 500,000 followers, playing the algorithm is not really going to be that great of a use of your time and energy. I mean, it's just not. Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, like I said, I, you know, I've got a family to, to, to do things with and, uh, it, it's about the, and I, I'm, I realized that a long time ago, um, with it, with social media, I, I can't, I don't have time for it. Plus being in the military, you can't really, you know, they don't want you saying a whole lot or doing a lot of, on the, on social media for obvious reasons. So I think that kind of helped me kind of stay away from it from playing those games and plus you know my photography is for me and you know if other people get to enjoy it you know like i'll use it as a tool to direct them to the website and and so be it you know yeah no i mean i get it though i mean people are hungry because they want they want people to notice them and their photography and they want so many people want to become quote-unquote full-time photographers without really having a full understanding of what that actually even looks like but at the end of the day, it's like social media is just a small piece of that, you know, like you can get, if you want to make a name for yourself, like produce content that helps other people or, you know, maybe, you know, write really interesting blog posts or, you know, write a, yeah. write a book or, you know, uh, create a podcast or a really engaging YouTube channel or whatever it is, but like just constantly posting on social media and like hoping people see you is it just looks desperate yeah yeah i mean the thing for me is the networking piece of it is what i've really yeah liked the most about it i yeah, mean the networking like, yep it's opened some doors for me um uh for sure i mean I, that's how i met hoshino and this year i'm helping the guys from lufoten uh lufoten tours uh come over they're gonna do a tour in 2025 in hokkaido uh, they asked for help. So, I mean, there's been some things that have been positive for it. Yeah. There's also, you know, the flip side of it. So. Right. <laughs> Just managing it. Well, maybe that's a good segue for you to talk about the workshop that you're going to do with Shohoshino and, and David Thompson. Because for me, that sounds like a magical combination made in heaven. <laughs> yeah. So, 
I just mentioned the Lufoten Tours guys. They reached out to me and said, hey, we're interested in coming over. Can you tell us about Hokkaido? We'd like to, you know, hire you as a fixer. And I was like, okay, I don't know if I can do this. But quickly as I was kind of building out a plan for them, you know, my military senses come in and I start uh, working a uh, kind of a timeline itinerary and, and things, putting it together. I was like, man, I could, we could do this here. Because there, there's a gap in Japan for, and there's a want for to come over and see it. But, you know, I think there's a niche for, you know, getting out into nature and not those iconic places. I mean, there's more to Japan to discover than, than the Mount Fuji and the temples and shrines that we've I've mentioned several times here. Uh, there's, I think there's like over 1,500 different volcanoes. You got the forests. And, and a lot of these places are more dramatic than than Mount Fuji and, and more remote, uh, but still easily accessible. So I think there was a opportunity to kind of to look at that. And I talked to Hoshino about it. And uh, as we were talking, I was like, you know, maybe because David had talked to me several times about how he'd love to come over here and, and see it because he's seen some of the show's work and some of the locations. We'll see if David would be interested. And he is. And we kind of put our heads together and come up with a date and uh we're looking at autumn and next year to uh to get 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 this kind of off the ground and running and what is autumn in japan is that like october yeah so it's it starts uh late september depending on where you are in the island and what elevation but kind of late september all the way to uh december first week of december you're still as you get down the, to sea level, yeah, um, yeah early December. Wow, but we're, we're targeting mid to the areas that we'll be going to in Nagano Prefecture um, uh, about mid-October uh, next gotcha. year. And this yeah. is something that we're going to look to continue to do um, moving forward is awesome. bringing somebody over. I love it. I love it. I yeah. Love it. Maybe we get you to come over one time. Oh, count me in. <laughs> Yeah, that, those are my kind of scenes. Every time I see uh, shows photos, I'm like, oh, take me there. That's yeah. magical. <laughs> yeah, so he, he's me and him are going, like I talked about, we're going to Hokkaido uh, uh, next month. So it, it should be, that's our first time going together there. And uh, it'll be fun to watch him kind of work those scenes, especially as those minimalistic uh, uh, scenes that are all over the place there. So it should be a good time. Nice. Yeah. All right, Mark. Well, other than show, who's some other photographers that uh, you would recommend that we learn more about? Uh, so, I mean, you talking about in Japan or? Just in general. In general. Yeah. Uh, I like Bill uh, Ferngren. I think I'm saying his name. I'll, I'm going to butcher some names That's here probably. The second time this week someone's mentioned his name to me. He's just, I, I love his... It's just a quiet and uh, intimate approach. I, I like how he approaches uh, scenes, and it puts out quality work time after time. Uh, and I've talked to him a few times on social media. He's he's somebody that I'm, I'm quite liking. And uh, uh, Kristen uh, Weinhold from Germany is somebody that I've been keeping an eye on and watching their work. I mean, they're just, again, I, there's kind of a theme here. I like that uh, um, those, those quiet and intimate scenes. In yeah. nature, and I like those her, two. I really, like her stuff too. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Jared Boaz. I hope I'm saying that right. From California, I've talked yeah. to him quite a bit. 
seems like he's got a pretty interesting uh life does a little bit of music and uh and some youtube and he i like how he approaches his photography and i, I think i like what i like about his youtube channel is um he uh he doesn't just put out videos for the algorithm. It doesn't seem like he's doing it for the algorithm. He's going to put out something when it's ready and uh, not rush his photography to, to, to kind of meet those requirements to hit the algorithm for YouTube. That's how I see it, but it's really good quality stuff. And then uh, last one is a Japanese uh, photographer who also has a YouTube, but he's part of that crew with Hoshino and them, and that's Yakota uh, Shinji. Uh, Photoshin is his handle on, uh, on social media. Uh, great guy speaks English great lived in Canada for a while oh, okay. um, so he's he's another photographer that's definitely uh, kind of put Japan on the map as well nice 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 well Mark this has been awesome thanks thanks Matt it's been fun first podcast so uh, you did great <laughs> thanks man awesome Well, thank you to Mark for the great conversation. I hope to be able to take you up on your offer to visit Japan someday, as it is very high on my list of places to photograph. Keep up the great work with your photography and your help in being an ambassador for the Japanese photography community. On the podcast, you heard a lot about the importance of getting critiques on your images. This is a critical step in improving as a photographer. One of the best ways to do this other than one-on-one -on -one mentorship, is to join us over on the Nature Photographers Network in the Critique Forum. It is my go-to place to engage with other photographers on a regular basis. I love the Critique Forum there, and being exposed to such great photography on a regular basis has improved my approach to the craft. For just $49 per year, you can leverage everything NPN has to offer. Be sure to use the code FSTOP10 for your 10% off discount. Just go to npn.link forward slash fstop to join or find a link in the show notes. See you there. Okay, that's all for now. Thanks for stopping in, collaborating with us, and listening. See you next week. <laughs>